Hello and welcome. My name is Pastor Shane Britt, and it is such an honor to have you join our podcast today. I pray that you will find something uplifting and encouraging in the word you are about to hear. Also, please feel free to connect with us via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. I'm so excited about what you're about to hear. Let's dive right into the Word of God. And I'm going to read. I, I kept trying to condense it down. I kept. I don't like to come with this many scriptures, I, or I'll spread them out throughout my message. I, I like to try to just get it down to one or two or three because I know it's difficult sometimes to, to keep your mind uh, from being distracted when there's a lot of reading. So I'm going to try not to be too monotone, I'm gonna, but I'm going to read the rest of this chapter. Y'all going to y'all going to stay with me for just about 15 16 verses. Cuz all I'm going to do is I'm going to hurry up and get out of the way so that God can do some miracles in this place cuz he said there's going to be no flesh that will glory in his presence. So I'm going to get myself out of the way so that God can do what he wants to do in this place. I'm just going to preach to you what Moses preached to the children of Israel when they were standing on the banks of the Jordan River. And then I'm just, I'm just going to tell you what he told them. And then we're going to worship God in this place. Verse 32. For ask now of the days that are past. Everybody say the days that are past. Which were before thee. Since the day that God created man upon the earth. And ask from one side of heaven unto the other. Whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing is. Have you ever heard of anything as awesome as what we just went through? He said, has anybody even heard anything like it, anything close to it? Verse 33, did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire and live? Or hath God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation? by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm, and by great terrors according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know, this is why he did it, and this, this is why God brought them out. He said that you might know that the Lord, he is God. And there is none beside him. How many knows there's only one God? There ain't no God beside him. He don't need no help. He didn't say, hey, let me call in the reserves to bring my people out of Egypt. The Lord, he is God. He did it by himself. There was no one beside him. He brought you out of Egypt by his own hand and by his outstretched arm. Out of heaven he made thee to hear his voice that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he showed thee his great fire. And thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. And because he loved your fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them. And he brought thee out. Everybody say he brought thee out. He brought thee out in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt to drive out nations from before thee greater and mightier than thou art to bring thee in. Everybody say to bring thee in. To give thee this land for an inheritance as it is this day. 
Know therefore this day and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day, that it may go well unto thee and with thy children after thee, and thou mayest prolong the days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Then the Bible says, Moses severed. He separated three cities on this side of Jordan. Everybody say this side. This side of Jordan. Toward the sun rising. That's the east side. That the slayer might flee there. He's talking about the manslaughter. Somebody who accidentally murders someone. He set apart these cities of refuge and said if you accidentally commit murder, you can run to these cities of refuge and you'll be safe. The avenger of the blood will not be able to kill you. You got to have these cities of refuge. And he said, I'm going to set three of them up on this side of Jordan. Verse 43, he names the cities. Bazar in the wilderness in the plain country of the Reubenites, Ramoth and Gilead of the Gadites, Golan and Bashan of the Massonites. Remember, those were the two and a half tribes that said, we want to stay on this side of Jordan. So he said, you know what? Even though we're all going to cross over this Jordan River, I'm going to set up some cities of refuge on this side. One for each of those tribes that were staying on the east side of Jordan. Verse 44, And this is the law which Moses set before the children of Israel. These are the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which Moses spake unto the children of Israel after they came forth out of Egypt. How many are thankful that God brought you out of Egypt? Egypt is a type and a shadow of sin. It's, it's the slavery to sin. That's what Egypt represents. He said, these are all the things that God told us after he brought us out of Egypt. Verse 46, here it is again on this side, Jordan. In the valley over against Beth Peor, in the land of Sihon, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon from Moses and the children of Israel smote after they were come forth out of Egypt. So this is the land of the Amorites. They had won battles here against kings of the Amorites in this land. And after they won those battles, verse 47 says, and they possessed the land. They owned the land because they drove out two kings of the Amorites. Kings of nations that were mightier than they were. Kings of nations that had a little bit of experience in battle before, but these were just a bunch of slaves come forth out of Egypt that had been wandering around the wilderness, but God was with them, and they smote the two kings of the Amorites, and they possessed, the Bible says, they took their land. They had a place to dwell in, and they could have stayed there, and they could have lived right there, and two and a half tribes of Israel said, this is good land. This is land that is good for, for, for our cattle. If you remember your Bible history, this is the same land that when Abraham was separating from Lot, he looked over toward the east side of Jordan. He said, look at the valleys on the east side of Jordan. That's a good land over there. This wasn't no second-rate land. This was some good land. They possessed the land in the king of Og, Abashan, two kings of the Amorites, which were on this side of Jordan, 
toward the sun rising. From Aor, which is by the bank of the river Arnon, even unto Mount Sion, which is Hermon, and all the plain on this side of Jordan eastward, even unto the sea of the plain, unto the springs of Pisgah. With the help of the Lord, I'm going to preach to you for just, just a few minutes on this subject, this side of Jordan, this side of Jordan. To set the context for you here, they had wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They had come to the plains on the eastern side of Jordan. They had defeated two Amorite kings so they could possess that land. And Moses was giving them his last will and testament. That's what I believe the book of Deuteronomy is. He's rehashing things that he's told them. He's trying to remind them, I'm not going to be with you when I cross over there. So don't forget everything that God did for us. Don't forget everything that God told us. You heard his voice out of that mountain. Nobody else has ever heard his voice and lived. You heard the voice of God. You know where he brought you from. And here we are. We're about to go in. But God said that I can't go with you. So they're waiting for Moses to die. And Moses is telling them in the book of Deuteronomy, don't forget where God brought you from. Don't forget where God is taking you to. He brought you out so that he could bring you in. He brought you out of Egypt to take you in to the promised land. How many knows that God has a promise for you? God has a promise for every person in this place. And that place is called heaven. And the heaven, the hope of heaven is the reason why we're all here. I can't wait until we get to heaven someday. I can't wait until we cross over that Jordan, until we walk on streets of gold until we see walls of jasper, until I get the fish in the crystal sea, until I get to throw my crown at the feet of Jesus. One day we're crossing over this Jordan and we're going to be in heaven. We're going to be in the presence of God Almighty forever. And Moses says, you're about to cross over Jordan, Israel, and I can't go with you. So before you go, listen to my words. Don't forget where God brought you from. And don't forget where God has taken you. But there's another thing that Moses reminded them of. Not only did he remind them of where God brought them from, he reminded them of where God was taking them to, a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a good land, a land that he said that was promised to your fathers because God loved Abraham. And Abraham, his, his promise was passed down to Isaac and to Jacob and to all of Jacob's sons. He reminded them of that promise that God had for them in the good land over on the other side, on the west side of Jordan. But he also said, don't forget what God did for us on this side, on this side of Jordan. I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are truly living in the last days. And I know you've been hearing that your whole life. I can remember as a teenager, my grandmother telling me, God's coming back December 31st, 1999, right at midnight. Anybody else have a granny that said that? She scared me to death. Number one, I didn't, I didn't get the Holy Ghost until the year 2000. So that had me scared. And number two, and this is just me being a young teenager, I didn't have a, I didn't have a license yet. I couldn't drive. And I thought, Lord, you're going to come back before I get to drive? 
That's how my mind worked as a, as a kid. I'm like, Lord, just wait till I'm 16 so I can learn, so I can learn to drive. <laughs> and now I'm like, I can't wait till my kids are 16 so they can drive me everywhere. But I, I remember legitimately, how many remembers Y2K? Some of y'all old enough, you remember, you went out and bought your candles. You thought the whole world was going to shut down, all the street lights, all the computers. Everybody was worried, like the whole world is ending on January 1st, year 2000. You had your midnight prayer that night. Everybody was, I mean, so, how many of y'all were ready to go? Like you've never been ready on December 31st, 1999. Well, guess where I was at? Well, I'm, my, I was sitting, uh, I was at home, and I lived in Atala, Alabama. And I still remember the porch. I walked out on that porch, and I looked up in the sky, and I was looking at the, the moon and the stars, and I thought, Lord, you're coming back at midnight tonight. I don't have the Holy Ghost. I'm worried. I could just hear Granny's voice in my head. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And I'm sitting there just praying, Lord, I've been baptized. I've repented my sins. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Right, It's 11.30 p.m., and I'm just and my mom, she's sitting inside. She's listening to the news, ready to hear about the world ending. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I said, you know what? It finally dawned on me. It's 1230 a.m. in Georgia. I said, is Jesus coming back on Central Time? Or? <laughs> and that little thought that God gave me just set all of my nerves. I, went, I, went, I didn't even wait till me. I went to bed. I said, I ain't even worried. God, if God was going to come back, the world was going to end. We would have already heard about it in Alabama by the time it happened in Georgia, right? And I, I remember saying, that's, all I, that's the only thing I needed to have peace. And I just went and I got into bed, went to sleep, woke up the next morning, wasn't even worried. The world was still there. We were all still there. Here we are 22 years later. We're all still here. But we've been hearing it. They had 88 reasons why Jesus was coming back in 1988. They told us when the Mayan calendar ended, the world was going to end. And you've been hearing it your whole life. You've been having preachers stand up here saying, Jesus is coming back. Paul said it even 2,000 years ago. Redeem the time, for the days are evil. Peter said, make your calling and election sure. You better get ready. Jesus is coming back. And it can be easy for us to say, I've been hearing that my whole life. And then, then all of a sudden, when he comes back, the Bible says it's going to be like a thief in the night. I know you told me to be ready, but you've been telling me to be ready for 20 years. You've been telling me to be ready for 30 years, for 70 years. Some of y'all been preaching that Jesus is coming back for 80 years, and he's still not here. And the Bible says there'll be those in the last days that say, where is this Jesus? Where is this Messiah that you keep saying? And there's going to be mockers and scorners, and we're hearing that today. Where is this Jesus? Where is he at? You keep saying it's the last days. You keep saying that the sign, everything, you can pick up your newspaper on this Sunday morning, and you can read the newspaper, or you can flip over in your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. You're going to read the same thing, because right now we're living in an hour where everything that Jesus said was going to happen is happening right now. He said there will be signs in the sky. You will start to see the moon turn to red. I remember I was just talking to Michelle just the other day. I don't even remember the blood moon when I was a kid. Y'all... It just seemed like, and then all of a sudden, a few years ago, there was four in one year, and it was like a big deal. Now, we were just driving the other night. I saw a red moon. I'm like, 
Did this always happen? Is it? And it's almost like it's just a common thing now. It's like the, the moon looks kind of red, reddish orange tonight. What's, and Jesus said in the last days, you're going to see some signs in the sky. It's going to get so common that we see a red moon and don't even think about it anymore. But a few years ago, it was like, wow, the blood moon. They wrote books about it. People are talking about it. Now we're not even talking about it, but it's still happening. Look up at your moon every once in a while and you say, what is this? I'll tell you what it is. It's Matthew chapter 24. Jesus said in the last days, nations shall rise against nation. And then he said, kingdom against kingdom. I said, that sounds redundant until you study the Greek word. And nation rising against nation means that ethnos against ethnos. That means one race will be divided against another race. And then he said, kingdom against kingdom. People are going to be divided. We are divided on everything right now. We're divided on race. We're divided on po politics. We're divided on gender. We're divided every, everywhere you look. There's one side or the other. That you got to be, you can't be in the middle anymore. There's division in this world. We are living in the last days. Jesus said, in the last days, the love of many will wax cold. Because of the abundance of iniquity. You know what that means? When he says the love of many shall wax cold, that means you're going to get apathetic. It means you're going to get desensitized to all the iniquity. You know what iniquity is? It means lawlessness. There's so much evil. There's so much lawlessness that I get to where I just, I can't even, I used to care. How many used to care every time you heard? Of it? I remember when we heard about Columbine, we cried. Some of y'all remember, some of y'all too young. But that school shooting in Colorado, people literally were weeping because of the horror that happened. And now we hear about a school shooting, we're like, oh, Lord, I pray for them. The love of many will wax cold. I'm not saying that you don't care. Don't, don't misunderstand me. I know you care, but you're just hearing about it every day now. You're hearing about it so much because the Bible says that in the last days, the love of many will wax cold because iniquity, lawlessness will be everywhere. We can't care 24-7 about all of the lawlessness that's happened. One person can't just sit there and dwell on all of it, so you just turn it off. You say, I can't even listen to it. There's so much of it going on. Jesus said that that's what it's going to be like before I come back. He said, and then all of a sudden, there'll be two in the field, and one will be taken, and one will be left behind. There'll be two in the bed, and one will be taken, and one will be left behind. Folks, we are living in Matthew 24 right now. In this hour, we are standing on the banks of the Jordan River. We are ready to go in, and nothing else is keeping us from going in. And one day, Jesus is going to step out on that cloud, and he's going to call his children, and I'm going to hear that trumpet sound and the dead in Christ shall rise first and those of us which are alive and remain shall meet them in the air I'm so ready to cross over Jordan I'm so ready to go to my promise I'm so ready to be in that place where there is no more pain there is no more sorrow there is no more shame there is no more evil we're standing on the banks on this side of Jordan And Moses said, I can't go with you. Something I did while we were wandering in the wilderness, I can't go with you. 
And God let him see it. Well, he said, you cannot enter it. So they're waiting for Moses to die. And Moses dies at the end of Deuteronomy. In our Bible reading this year, when I read about Moses' death, I literally felt like I started grieving for him. I never felt that. I read it before. But I felt, like, oh, man, I was almost like I was closer to the story somehow. And Moses, when he died, he couldn't go into the promise. And I believe right now, Moses is speaking to us right now from Deuteronomy chapter 4. You're standing on the banks of the Jordan. You're looking out over there at Jericho. You can see the armed men on the wall. You can see the walled cities. You can see the giants in the mountains. You can see all of the land that God has promised you. And we're about to cross over that Jordan. But Moses said... I can't go with you. There's a few more things left that needs to happen before we cross over Jordan. But we're close. We are so close. We're closer than we've ever been. And I know you've been told that all your life. I know I've been told that all my life. But anybody that's got the Holy Ghost, you know within your bones that we're so close. I'm planting a church in Decatur right now. I say, God, statistically it takes about 10 years to get a church going. We ain't got it. God, give give us a harvest. Give us a harvest right now. Oh, for your glory, God. We are in the last days. We're looking at our promise. And our promise is not some physical land. Our promise is heaven. And the Bible tells us about this beautiful place called heaven. It's a paradise. I can't wait to be there. And I can't wait for you to be there with me. I can't wait for Jesus to step out on that cloud. I can't wait to hear that trumpet sound. And I know there's an angel right now wetting his lips. Getting ready to blow. And any day, any hour, any moment, that trumpet can blow and we're going to be in heaven. And when we get to heaven, the Bible tells us, somebody said it earlier, there ain't going to be no need for no light. Because the only light that's going to be there is the glory of God, the glory of the Lamb. If you're reading the book of Genesis at the very beginning, it said, let there be light. God said, let there be light. And he created the sun, the moon, and the stars. No. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He didn't create the stars and the moon till days later. But when he said, let there be light, there was light. And at that time, the earth was flat. It was without form and void. And so when that light shone, there was nothing to cast a shadow. There was no darkness. It was just the light, the glory of God. And John said in John chapter 1, we beheld that glory when the word became flesh. And he walked among us. And I can't wait till we get to heaven and we behold the glory of God. Moses saw it when he was on the mountain and when he came off the mountain the Bible says as he came down that mountain they couldn't even look at Jesus they couldn't even look at Moses because of the glory that was shining off of his face because he's oh come on somebody you need to understand the glory of God is going to be in heaven and it's going to be a light that's going to get rid of all darkness That darkness that we see in our world right now, it can't be there. It won't be there because the light exposes the darkness, the glory of the Lamb. Book of Revelation says there's no need for a sun or moon or stars there. 
we get to heaven, the only light that will be, the only light that we need is coming from the Lamb. The only light that we need is that glory that Moses beheld on the mountain. The only light that we need is that glory that was inside of Jesus. The light manifested in flesh. He was the Word of God that walked among us, and John said, we beheld His glory. I can't wait to see the face of Jesus. I can't wait till that robe that he gave me and that crown that he gave me where I can throw it at his feet and say, my God, thank you. Thank you for letting me be in your presence. There'll be no more pain. Some of y'all got pain in your body right now. When we get to heaven, it says there'll be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. Some of y'all recently lost some loved ones and you've got some sorrow. He said, when we get over there, there'll be no more sorrow. Oh, there'll be no more shame. You forget all about all your sin. There'll be nothing but, but joy and love. And we'll be in, the Bible says that God is love. First John chapter 4, God is love. And we're just going to be in the presence of love for eternity. I cannot wait to cross over Jordan. I cannot wait until my pain is gone, until my tears are gone. I cannot wait to cross over Jordan. And some of y'all are dealing with things right now. And this is what God sent me to preach to you, is that you don't have to wait. I remember where he brought me from. I remember when he brought me out of Egypt, he had to do many miracles to get me out of Egypt, just like he did with the children of Israel. I had addictions that I could not get rid of on my own, and I had to walk up to an altar and say, God, you've got to take this from me. And God instantly delivered me from addictions that you can't get rid of on your own. He took that from me. That was a miracle that God used with his mighty hand and with his outstretched arm. He pulled me out of Egypt. He said, I'm going to do some miracles to get you out of Egypt. He's going to do some miracles to get you into the promised land as well. And when you get there, if you're missing a limb, your glorified body's going to grow it back. If you get there and you got cancer, it's just going to fall out because cancer can't be in heaven. COVID can't be in heaven. There is no sickness there. There is no disease there. When we get to heaven, there is no more pain there. Brother, your eyes are going to be open. When we get to heaven, there will be no blindness. There will be no deafness. There will be no disabilities. In heaven, you ain't going to have no handicapped parking spot when you get to heaven. Remember where God brought you from, Moses said. How he brought you out of Egypt with many miracle signs and wonders. And at that point in time, Egypt was the greatest nation on the face of the earth. But you know why they were the greatest nation on the face of the earth? Because God gave a dream to, to Pharaoh instead of to Jacob. He gave Pharaoh a dream about the famine. And when Joseph interpreted it, Pharaoh used that to build up his kingdom. And inside that kingdom, God brought in his people. And he built himself a nation within a nation, Moses said. 
And while you might be wandering through this world, this world is not your home. This is just a temporary dwelling place. And God said, I know I've made some amazing things. I've allowed some amazing things for your enemies to have all around you. You see the Jeff Bezos and the Elon Musk. They got all this stuff that they built up. And we're just dwelling in the middle of that nation. But one day, God is going to call us out of that nation. And that nation that allowed us to grow up and become our own nation and we became his children i may not be it may have been born a jew but the bible says that we have put on the spirit of adoption in galatians 3 chapter uh galatians chapter 3 verse 27 it says that when you are baptized into christ you put on christ that Greek word literally means clothe. It's like putting a jacket on. I put on Christ. And then he says when you are baptized under Christ, you put on Christ. You are clothed with Christ. He says now you have received the same promise that Abraham received. Every promise that God made to Abraham is now yours. And you're dwelling in a nation that is not your home. God's got another place for you. It's called paradise. And one day, he's going to pull you out of this world. He's going to take you into paradise. I don't want to stay on this side of Jordan. And I didn't come to tell you that on this side of Jordan is where you should stay. You need to make yourself ready to cross over. Don't be like the Reubenites. Don't be like the Gadites. Don't even be like Lot. Because Lot looked toward the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, over there on the east side of Jordan, it looks like a good place to go. I don't want to stay on this side. Nothing ever happened on the east side of Jordan that was good. Later on, you see Jesus cross over the Jordan to the, to the land that the Gadites were supposed to dwell in. There was a demoniac there, and he cast the devil out of him. And where'd the devil go? Went into the swine. The Jews ain't supposed to be eating no pigs. What happened over there? I thought it was a good land for cattle, but here you are stuck on that side of Jordan where you're not supposed to be. God gave you a land that was flowing with milk and honey. I don't want to miss it. I want to cross over Jordan, and I want to be there with my friends. I want to be there with my family. I want to be there with every person that's in this place today. Oh, God, when I go over Jordan, I'm going to take everybody that I love with me. I want to cross over Jordan, and I ain't coming back. I'm going to leave this world behind. I cannot wait until he steps out on that cloud. While we're here, Moses reminded them of what God did for them on this side of Jordan. On this side of Jordan, he said, you faced two Amorite kings. You know who the Amorites were? They were descendants of the incestuous relationship of Lot and his daughter. Because that's where Lot lived. On the east side of Jordan. And a lot, four or five hundred years later, some of his grandkids are still there. They weren't in the promised land. They were on the east side of Jordan. And Moses said, we went to those two kings of the Amorites. And by the power of God, we slew them. We smote them. And we possessed their land. Let me tell you something. Or fighting battles on this side of Jordan, and you may not be in heaven yet, but God's gonna give you victory over those battles 
on this side of Jordan. I'm talking about the things that you're facing in the midnight hour, in the dark night, and even in the dark day when you don't even want to open the shades. God's saying, on this side of Jordan, before I take you over, I'm trying to tell you right now that I'm going to give you victory over every battle on this side of Jordan. I don't care what kind of stronghold that you're facing. I don't care what kind of devil is trying to attach to your life. I don't care what kind of demon is trying to take your family. God said, I'm going to let you slow them. You're going to defeat them. On this side of Jordan, we ain't got to wait till we get to heaven to get rid of these devils. We ain't got to wait till we cross over Jordan to win this battle. God said, I'm with you right now on this side of Jordan. Oh, when we all see Jesus, when we all get to heaven, it's going to be joy and peace over there. But right now, I'm supposed to suffer. Right now, I'm supposed to be in darkness. Right now, I'm supposed to fight demons in my mind. And God said, no, on this side of Jordan, I'm going to release you. They won battles. They defeated two kings of the Amorites before they ever made it to their promise. And they didn't just defeat them. They drove them out, and they took their land. They had a place. You talking about that sanctuary this morning, Brother Mark? They had a dwelling place of safety on this side of Jordan. They had a place they could call home temporarily. On this side of Jordan, they had a place where they were comfortable in the presence of God around the tabernacle on this side of Jordan. And I know some of y'all are dealing with things right now. And you're saying, God, when I get to heaven, I won't have to, I won't have to worry about this no more. And God sent me today to tell somebody. Today is the day that you're going to get your miracle. Today is the day that you're going to be delivered. Today is the day when you're going to find that peace that you've been praying for. Today is the day when he's going to restore the joy in your spirit. Because on this side of Jordan, there is a God who's got a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Is the God, is God's arm short? He said to Moses, is my God, is my arm slack? That I cannot reach you right where you are in the middle of the wilderness, in the plains of the east side of Jordan. I am a mighty God, and I am with you on this side of Jordan. He set up three cities of refuge on this side of Jordan. When they went over in the promised land, they set up cities of refuge, and they were just far enough away from each other that no matter where you were, if you committed manslaughter, you accidentally committed a sin, if you, if you got caught by the avenger, you'd be stoned to death for that murder. But if you could run as fast as you could to the sanctuary, if you could run as fast as you could to the place of refuge. 
And you can make it into that place that we call a sanctuary today. One of those cities of refuge. It didn't matter how loud he screamed. It didn't matter how hard he beat on the door. When the avenger came for your blood, nobody in the city would throw you out there. they say, no, he's in the city of refuge. He's in a safe place. He's in a hiding place. He's in a sanctuary. And I'm thankful right now in this place today that we have a sanctuary. We've got a place of refuge. It does not matter what you've done in this world. It does not matter what sin you've got listed on your rap sheet. If you can make it to the sanctuary, you cannot be taken by the avenger. Just make it to the city of refuge. Just make it to an altar and cry out to God, oh God, forgive me of my sin. And the Bible says that if you repent, that God is faithful and just to forgive you. I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. We have a city of refuge right here. Oh, when we get over yonder, when we see that river flowing from the tree of life, we see those golden streets and pearly gates. When we sit at the feet of Jesus for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we'll find some refuge there. But God said on this side of Jordan, I've given you a safe place. I've given you a place you can run to when you are weary. I've given you a place you can run to when you've been fighting battles. I've given you a place that you can run to when you're covered in sin and you're being weighed down by the things of this world and by the cares of life. And in this place today, if you want to drop that pack, you can drop it at one of these altars and God can bring you out of Egypt so he can bring you into the promise. And even on this side of Jordan, you can have Deliverance. Why don't you stand all across this building? Brother Boss, you were following the Holy Ghost earlier. We were talking about the woman with the issue of blood. She had a need. And she knew who could meet it. And she'd already been dealing with it for 12 years. And some of y'all have been dealing with things for longer than that. I don't know who you are I'm preaching to. You've been dealing with pain that you said, I prayed for it. Five or six times. Well, Naaman dipped seven times in the Jordan. You've been praying for your miracle I don't know how many times. Well, the prophet Elijah prayed seven times for rain. He's the one that stopped the rain. And he asked God to bring the rain back. He sent his servant and he said, no, there's no, not even a cloud. Go look again. I still, I don't, nothing. It's just about as dry as it's ever been. Actually, it's probably drier today than it was yesterday. Well, go look again. I just saw like a little tumbleweed. There's nothing else. Go look again. Some of y'all been praying. And you said, man, I prayed so many times. Maybe I'll just wait till I get to heaven. Like the man who laid at the pool of Bethesda. 38 years he laid by that pool. Watching person after person get their miracle. Mm. Some of y'all seen so many miracles. You could write a book about it. But you're saying, my God, where's my miracle? And Jesus went up to him and he said, wilt thou be made whole? That's a question I'm going to ask you today. Wilt thou be made whole? If you want your miracle, you know what you need? You need faith. I know you know that. But listen, the man 
laying at the pool of Bethesda. He's just laying there right across it. And when that angel came and troubled the water, first person that jumped in that pool got their miracle. He's laying right beside it. I'm sure after 38 years, he got the timing down. I'm pretty sure he could have threw himself in. Oh, but what if, what if I go in second and I can't walk? And when I throw myself in, my legs still don't work. I'm just going to drown in this pool. Oh, he knew there were miracles in that water. Just like there's miracles in this altar right now. And some of y'all are saying, what if I go up there again and I don't get my miracle? I'm just going to drown. And Jesus said, just pick up your bed. Pick it up. Rise up and walk. Jesus is in this place right now. And some of y'all done quit praying for your miracle. Because you said, you know what? I'll get my healing when I get to heaven. I'll beat those demons out of my mind when I cross over Jordan. I'm going to win some victories when we get to Jericho, boys. Oh, when I get to that mountain, I'm going to slay me a giant. But right now, I'm just going to suffer on this side of Jordan. And God said, my eye is on the sparrow. I'm watching after you. It's a beautiful thing living in the south. I haven't lived here for 16 years. I tell you what, I do not miss the winter. Not one bit, especially in the drafty house that we bought. Let me just tell you how beautiful spring is, because some of y'all forgotten because you lived here too long. In California, we got palm trees. We got fake grass. We got a lot of dirt. We ain't got no rain. And I forgot how beautiful it is when God starts blooming all those flowers. When all the leaves start coming back on the trees. It's a beautiful thing. When God starts breathing life back into something that was dead. Oh, I love some evergreens. I love some magnolias. I like them southern pines. But when God starts breathing life back into those, those trees that died in the fall, God wants to breathe some life into somebody in this place today. You've had a long winter. It's been cold and it's been dark. There's been some nights where it's been lonely. There's been some times that you were crying and you thought nobody heard it. But God heard it. And he sent me here today to tell you, on this side of Jordan, you're going to get your miracle. On this side of Jordan, you're going to answer to that problem that you've had for years. Not just, we talk about miracles, we think it's all in the physical. But some of y'all dealing with stuff in your mind right now. You think, well, maybe I'll just go get some medicine that's going to mess me up worse. God can touch your mind right now. God can heal your mind. I'm, you're, talk, you're looking at somebody that's been in the deepest, darkest depression like you've never seen before. I've been in places where I've wanted to take my own life and thought about how to do it. 
God can heal your mind. Some of you don't believe me. Some of you think I'm just going, I'm going to fight these demons till we cross over Jordan. Oh, when I get over there, I'm going to run to a city of refuge. God said, no. Right here, today, on this side of Jordan, there's an Amorite king you're going to defeat. There's a city of refuge you can run to. There's a victory you're going to win. There's a valley you're going to possess. There is land you're going to call home. There is a miracle that you're going to get today, today, today. I told you when I started, if you don't get your miracle today, I'm going to be surprised. That's the kind of faith that you need to have today. If I could just press through the crowd, and if I could just touch the hem of his garment, my God will heal my every need. Y'all come as soon as you want. These altars are open. The centurion, he went to Jesus. He said, I need you to heal my servant. And Jesus said, all right, let's go. Pack your bags. Centurion said, no, no, no. You ain't got to go nowhere, Jesus, because I'm a man of authority. And I know that when I say something that the captain tells his men what to do and the sergeant tells his men what to do, and somewhere on the other side of the earth there's a private that starts moving because of my command. I didn't have to go over there and fight. I didn't have to go over there and do anything because I've got authority. And because that centurion understood that Jesus had authority over all manner of sickness and disease, he got his miracle that same hour. You say, well, God, this disease I got is too big. This battle I'm facing is too large. I've come today to tell you that my God has authority over all matter of sickness and disease. You need a miracle. Oh, I can't. I want to let it go and just let us pray, but I I got to get you to a place where you've got faith. There's two ingredients for a miracle. There's faith and there's glory. God wants the glory for your miracle in this place. There's some of you, you didn't get your miracle because he knew you would have kept it to yourself. Tell God right now, God, you heal my body, I'm going to tell everybody on my street. God, you tell you heal my body right now. I'm going to tell everybody that I talk to about my problems. I'm going to say, guess what? My problems are gone. Guess what? My healing came. Guess what? My miracle came. I got my miracle. Oh, would you tell God is for your glory? Right now, God is for your glory. Heal my body. Touch my mind. Touch my soul on this side of Jordan. Heal my body. Touch my mind. Come on, lift up your hands. There's nothing my God cannot do. There's nothing he can't do. I've seen him open blind eyes. I've had him heal my own back. I know that God can do it. God will do it for you today.